Good day, podcast listeners. This is Amy Clarkson, ready to read chapter six of the book, Simple, How Kids Help Us Understand God. Thanks for joining me either for the first time today or weekly as we go through this book. This one's a tough one, and it's on judgment. So let's have an open mind and think about this topic and would love to hear feedback after it's all done. Let's get started. Chapter six, judgment. If we are really honest, there are several words in the Bible we just don't like to dwell on. One of those words or ideas is judgment. This is especially true of people who are not a part of the Christian faith. How many times have you heard someone say that they think Christians are too judgmental? It's a common complaint about Christianity, and in fact, many use it as one of the reasons they don't want to attend church or embrace Christianity. I'll tell you what perplexes me. The secular world claims we do this too much, and yet, Christians aren't supposed to be judgmental at all. Countless scriptures warn us not to judge. Do you want an example? Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is about as straightforward as you can get, saying, quotes, do not judge or you too will be judged, end quotes. If we are told not to judge others, how have Christians gained a reputation for being judgmental? Often, Christians argue that it's something that can't be helped, that by knowing right and wrong, We naturally judge, and it is our right to do so. It's time to look at children to get a better understanding of why judgment is something Christ tells us not to do. If you've been around kids for any time, you know that they judge often and naturally. Kids do this because it is necessary for learning. We are designed to interact with our world through categories. Thus, as developing infants, their little minds start separating things very early. When my daughter was seven months old, she could tell the difference between a dog, something alive, and a car, something we travel in. But she would not have been able to separate out a German Shepherd from a Golden Retriever. They were both just dog. When my daughter first began to speak, Wawa was any liquid that she could drink. In her brain, she had already separated out liquids from solids. In time, she would differentiate water, milk, and juice. You see, though, that categorizing is a necessary part of human thinking. The process of noticing differences is what we call distinguishing or differentiating. This ability is absolutely a component of being a human. It is also something that develops as we age. I'm sure many of us have gone through the heartwarming stage when our children literally could not distinguish skin tone differences. The problem with the sweet idea that we should somehow preserve the ability not to notice if someone has dark skin or light skin is that it is impossible. 
Between the ages three and five, although not understanding the concept of race or ethnicity, kids become aware of skin tone differences. One can hone the skill of awareness of differences as well. Think of people we say have a distinguished palate. With that label, we acknowledge that certain individuals can differentiate tastes and textures the rest of us aren't even aware of. Differentiating and noticing differences in the world around us to categorize things is not the same as judgment. Making a distinction between those two things is crucial. Look, I'm using the skill of differentiation in real time. These two concepts differ in that judgment adds a layer to the separation by adding the element of morality. Judgment looks at something and decides if it is good or bad. It takes distinguishing to another level by finding fault in the difference. Pronouncing failures, unfortunately, is where my children seem naturally gifted. They quickly find fault with each other and in people outside of our home. It was alarming the first time my daughter loudly pointed out a man with long hair as we shopped for groceries. Mom, she said dramatically, that man has hair like a girl. What's wrong with him? My embarrassment was evident in the immediate red hue to my face and quick about face with our cart to a different aisle. The issue wasn't that she had merely noticed a man with long hair, which didn't fit in her category of male and female at that young age. It was that she immediately found fault with this man and in her mind, he was wrong. As they age, children judge less on physical features and look more at behavior. As early as preschool, my kids would rattle off a story of someone getting in trouble from class, and I'd hear, he's the bad kid, or else they'd alert me to how terrible it was that their friend was allowed to watch an R-rated movie, or was overheard saying some inappropriate word. The problem with these stories is that my children were not merely discriminating or placing behavior in a category of what our family permitted or did not. They added judgment and in their descriptions conveyed a moral critique. The theme of their stories was to let me know what a bad person these people were and therefore what a good person they were for not doing those things. It's even worse in our home, where each of my children feels the need to point out each other's flawed behavior continually. He didn't pick up his dirty clothes last night. She doesn't have her seatbelt on. He stuck out his tongue at me. They point out these errors to me to suggest their sibling is in the wrong, therefore they are in the right. Now we get to the reason why it's so easy to judge. It protects our concept of self as worthy 
as we relate to others. By placing someone else in the wrong, it lifts us into the right. When we set judgment on someone else and make them bad, it alternatively makes us good. It's easy in the role of a parent to see how ridiculous their judging is. I point this fact out daily to them. Their friend is not evil for saying that word or watching that movie. Their sibling isn't morally corrupt for sneaking a second dessert or not doing their homework. But it's not just that. It's that I don't love my children more or less based on this information. When the tattling starts, I protest. I don't care because I literally don't care. You would surely think that they understand at this point that my love doesn't increase and decrease based on if they did their chores or not, or based on who started the fight. Our quick judgments of others tells me that a part of us must believe God's affection changes based on what we do or don't do. Just like my kids trying to convince me of their worthiness by pointing out the fault of another, we try to convince God of our worthiness by finding errors in others. God views us all in the same way. Our behavior doesn't affect how much he loves us. One reason Christians judge then is that they haven't fully connected with the idea of God's unconditional love. If we do grasp that our worthiness in Christ is unrelated to our behaviors, why else might we find ourselves judging others? If I am good in God's eyes, then for me to look at someone else's life and decide what they are doing is wrong and find fault in their actions, the only benefit it serves is to make me feel better about myself. In other words, the second reason we judge is a self-confidence or self-assurance issue. There is a third reason we may find ourselves judging others, and that is to avoid our faults. Unfortunately, when we focus on others' errors, it brings us a false sense of merit. I love the parable Jesus tells after commanding us not to judge in Matthew as he illustrates this perfectly. In quotes, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time... There is a plank in your own eye, in quotes. That's from Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 in the NIV. He asks, how can we do this? We do this so we don't have to pay attention to our own faults. Look at that speck in his life. That is bad. Thank goodness that's not me. No sawdust in here. Avoiding our flaws is another reason why he tells us not to judge. We are to be concerned with our own lives. I say to my children the same thing. 
worry about yourself. I must proclaim this at least 10 times a day. Let's review. Judgment differentiates people, things, behavior, etc. into right and wrong, good or bad. As an individual, I judge others to try to make myself appear worthier before God or to make me feel better about myself or to ignore true wrongs in my life. Because all of these reasons are ultimately harmful to both ourselves and others, God commands us not to judge. There is something else I have learned about the concept of judgment from my kids, and that is how easily we can make errors in our judgments. My son told me about a boy at school who stole another kid's chips from his lunchbox and was judged by his peers as a bad kid. Guess what? He was just hungry. His single mom had lost her job, and they hadn't had food in the house for days. Although my son was quick to judge and define this boy as evil, once the whole story was known, suddenly the stealing didn't seem as wrong. As the adult, I knew that background. If I had to play the role of judge in this scenario, my conclusion of guilt or not would be determined by knowing the whole story. I don't know about you, but if I need to be judged on something, I sure want someone who knows me well and knows the whole story to be the judge. Don't think it's just kids who get it wrong. One of my dearest friendships I have almost didn't happen due to false judgment. My first interaction with her was at a ladies' church crafting event. She had just moved into town and bragged to the other women that instead of unpacking, she'd spent the week binging on sweets and a TV series called Army Wives. She described her home vividly, depicting a chaotic, unkempt disaster and neglected kids. My judgment was swift. Internally, I decided she was a sloth, addicted to TV and food, not a good mother, and clearly without righteous values. We will never be friends, I thought, inflating my merit pridefully above her. Oh, how I was so wrong. I know now that the week she described had been a week of isolated depression after moving into a new community. She is so utterly the opposite of all my snap judgments that retelling this story always brings us to tears of laughter. So many of the judgments we make about others are wrong because we don't know the whole story. The good news? God always knows the whole story. It is his perfect knowledge of all things and his totality of understanding our inner selves that allows him to be the only one who should judge. Chapter 4 in the book of James, verse 12 out of the NIV says this well, quotes, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you? To judge your neighbor. End quotes. God tells us not to judge others, 
not only because it distracts us from the truth of ourselves and the reality of God's love and compassion, but because we are imperfect in our ability to entirely know and understand the choices others make. Watching my children has taught me a lot about judgment. I realize how not seeing the whole picture frequently gets in the way of accurate assessments. I also see more clearly the reason behind judging. And as I watch my kids dish out judgment on each other, I see how they are trying to increase their own sense of being good. We will always distinguish and differentiate things. It's how we think and learn. My children must be able to evaluate whether an action they take is harmful or beneficial, whether their behavior was selfish or not, etc. We must do this too. What we are asked to avoid, however, is the blame and shame part. We shouldn't view ourselves or others as unworthy because of the actions that we commit. Well, that's it on judgment. I know for me, it's a tough one. It's something that seems to come more naturally than I wish it would. Next week is our seventh week, and we're going to be talking about prayer. This is another good one, so I hope you'll join in. Take care.